Welcome to 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where I help passionate entrepreneurs condense an hour of business research into 22 minutes of powerful conversations filled with knowledge, stories, and advice to help you achieve your one-year goal in 90 days. From national stages to your earbuds, I'm here to tell you that it's possible to have a profitable and sustainable business without the fear of overwhelm and uncertainty that comes with being an entrepreneur. It's all mojo and none of the fluff. It's time to get motivated in 22 minutes. All right. Welcome back to this week's episode of 22 Minutes to Having It All. Now, we've invited Helene Godin, and she has just an amazing entrepreneurial story. She's also got into this business with these amazing tasting pastries. We're going to talk a lot about that. And obviously, Helene, you were ahead of the curve in pivoting when you left your 22-year highly successful career as a lawyer. And then you took a bit of time off, which stated as it was only four days long, if that's correct. (laughs) By by day four, I was going out of my mind. And two of those days were the weekend. Goodnesses. (laughs) So before you founded a New York-based By The Way Bakery in 2010. So what is the By The Way Bakery? It's a small, old-fashioned bakery where everything is made by hand from scratch in small batches. And all of your baked goods are gluten-free, dairy-free, and certified kosher. So, wow, I'm excited to jump into this. Helene, welcome to today's episode. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so as I alluded to, Helene, I mean, you have a journey as an entrepreneur in this space. How did you go from being an attorney to building this bakery? Where did that come from? Well, first, I was an attorney, as you said, for 22 years, and I loved being a lawyer. I really enjoyed the craft of lawyering. And the problem solving that came with lawyering. But towards the very end of my career, I felt that I was just burning out. I was exhausted. I was working too hard. And I kept setting a bar that got higher and higher for myself. And it was just too much. And at the same time, I couldn't stop what I was doing or slow down on what I was doing long enough to figure out what I wanted to do next while remaining an attorney. So I was fortunate and I was able to just quit my job and take those whole four days to reflect and start to think about what I wanted to do next. So Helene, were you dabbling in the business, in the pastry business? Obviously, I mean, you're probably home whipping up some of these awesome goodies. And then did you, was there a moment where you were kind of like, wow, this could be my next thing? Oh, no, no. It was in a very different order. Oh, tell us. Um, <laughs> So I I quit my job with no plan whatsoever and just started digging deep into myself to figure out, well, what do I want to do next? Do I want to be a literary agent? Do I want to do something with publishing because I love books? Do I want to? I, I don't know. It was a bit daunting. And then I found myself in the supermarket, something I rarely did during my workaholic career, because I'm quite fortunate that my dear husband has always done the cooking. In fact, when I called him and said, I'm thinking, I said very quietly, I was standing by the fax machine. It was that long ago that there was a fax (laughs) machine. (laughs) I very quietly said to him, I think I'm done with this. I think I'm done. He said, oh, thank God. I just have one request, Helene. What is it, honey? I want to continue cooking dinner every night. Oh, wow. That is totally fine with me, dear. (laughs) Okay, so you've alluded to this. We're going to jump into it. You are Seth Godin's wife. I I don't want to lead with that, but that's a very poignant piece of the life that you live. 
For anybody who doesn't know Seth, he's known as the ultimate entrepreneur of the information age. He's an American writer. He's written around 17 books. He's addressing various aspects of marketing and advertising, business venture and leadership. Actually, he's been in our local community as we are a Big Ten college town, and he's addressed some of our large entrepreneurial keynotes. So I know Seth and I, I'm just, I love him. So yeah, so anybody who's not familiar, this is who we're chatting with. Yes, it is true. Anyway, so while Seth did all the cooking and he would go to the supermarket, you know, when you're home, I found myself in the supermarket a few times. And I noticed that just in those few visits during 2010, that the gluten-free section that I passed was multiplying. I mean, it wasn't big by any means, because again, it's 2010, but it was like, you know, just two feet of shelf space and then four feet of shelf space. And a light bulb went off and I thought, I love food. I want to do something small and local within my community. We live in a charming town outside of Manhattan, you know? So I thought, wow, wouldn't it be fun and interesting if I could open a shop? And I announced to my family that I'm going to open a bakery. And the three of them, my two sons and my husband, look at me and say, but you don't know how to bake. (laughs) And I said, I know, but it doesn't matter because I'm going to open a gluten-free bakery and nobody knows how to do that well. And I just completely and totally threw myself into it. And it wasn't like I came home from a crazy 12 or 14 hour day at the office and started cracking eggs and whipping butter. I really didn't bake. And So now I had this challenge in front of me, which was, how could I trick rice into thinking it's wheat? Mm. And what fat can I use to replace butter? And it was the same kind of problem solving that I loved doing when I was an attorney, just in a very different way. So it's really bred within you. I mean, so what we do is an extension of who we are. And it is just within your being, it sounds like to be a problem solver. And okay, so why the gluten-free component? Was it just the fact that there wasn't a lot of that happening, Helene? Or what was it about the gluten-free that interested you the most? Well, as I said, it wasn't because anyone in my family was gluten-free or dairy-free. And in fact, when I first started, I thought we'd be be a vegan gluten-free bakery. And that is doable. There are some wonderful vegan gluten-free products out there, but that's not what I was able to do during that period and decided that I would narrow my lane just a bit because I let, I actually liked the guardrails and I just found it really interesting. And the thing is that while I love problem solving, I also loved research. So I would just dig deep, deep, deep into Google to find everything I could about gluten and about fat and about kosher and anything about baking, anything at all. And I would do it again, the same hours that I did as an attorney, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. Bake, bite, throw out. Bake, bite, throw out. I just kept going. Wow. Okay. So as we're listening to this episode, I mean, it's fascinating because I think some people have also found themselves with what has happened in our world needing to change or pivot or, you know, start something completely new. What gave you the bravery, Helene, to take a career 22 years and then completely change it up and go into this pastry business? It was that I decided I wouldn't be afraid to fail. Mm which is very scary because I live in a very small town and, you know, people who knew me were now going to see me instead of in my corporate suit and heels, 
they'd see me with an apron. Not that I ever did the baking in the, when, once we opened, I had professional bakers, but I spent 2010 developing all the recipes, but you have to, you really have to get your head around a new persona. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big part. I mean, because the whole thing, you know, for 22 years, your perception was to be this very successful attorney. So overcoming that afraid to fail, which is just, I mean, that is such a common thing. What is it about being afraid to fail that has the biggest resonance for us in the world today? I think it's gotten worse over time, given social media and the constant reviews and feedback, the endless feedback loop we live in. But I think humans, to some extent, their DNA says, I, I have to please the tribe yeah. yeah, or I'll be thrown out. And if I fail, I'll be thrown out. So I'll just keep doing what's expected of me. Yeah. So there's a level of uh, tenacity and some resilience that's sprinkled into being an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, what keeps you up at night, Helene? Well, during the pandemic, it was, how can I keep my employees going? Because obviously sales went down because no one was buying cakes. People, no one, you know, in Manhattan, we have two stores. No one was going out so much to buy a cookie. And it was really important to me that I take care of them. I'm really proud to say that I didn't lay off a single employee. Not wow. one. Wow. Kudos to you. I mean, that's a huge feat in all that was going on. And, and I think, like you said, you're in an area that could be heavily impacted and yet you were able to sustain. Did you change things? I mean, did you cut back hours or what was it that? I cut back store and kitchen hours a bit, but I did my best to make sure that everyone had a decent amount of time. Yeah would make it possible for them to keep going as yeah, well. So you're keeping your employees happy, right? They're our greatest asset and you were doing it. So what we did is it was a great opportunity to bake for the camera. Mm. I took the time and I said to my decorators, let's build a wedding cake portfolio. <laughs> How fun is that? Right. And they just made exquisite wedding cakes for me. Wow. Well, and I'm sure it fueled their creativity as well. Exactly. Because otherwise it would go stagnant. I said to some of my bakers, you know, let's come up with something. So when this is over, <laughs> we can re-enter the world with things that are new and interesting. And that's how we started working on our newest product, which is called Moments. Right. Because everything we'd done before that was your traditional bakery items. And I'm pleased to say that now I have four retail locations and we're in 80 Whole Foods. Amazing. And so during that time, we worked on our baked goods, but I decided, you know what, what's the next challenge? I know we're going to go for center store, as they say at Whole Foods and in the general supermarket okay. business. And my family had been making this delicious snack mix that we called Mo Mix, named after my son, Mo, who's now 25. And my team started working on how could we do it on a grander scale. Wow, that's impressive. Okay, so a few things with that. So you've got this new mix that came out. Where can we find it? I mean, so where did you start to get the traction? Because this is a, a key piece too. You know, you've got the pandemic. Your By The Way Bakery turned into a successful brand because it had very devoted followers. So how do you connect to those followers? I mean, what kind of, like when you're coming back from the pandemic, and I don't think we're 100% back, but what did you, yeah, what did you do? I mean, to keep this brand of followers so loyal and to serve them and to say, okay, hey, this is how you can support us. This is a new product that's out now. Well, when you'd ask what keeps me up at night, I mean, during the pandemic, my concern was really my employees, um, who I always care about, but it's also my customers. And 
what keeps me up at night now is just making sure that we continue to deliver products of the highest quality. And I was determined to not let my employees down during the pandemic. And I wasn't going to close my stores, not for a day, because people were looking to the extent they were venturing out to maintain their routine. And while it may have been that pre-pandemic and now, thank goodness, post-pandemic, they would buy a cake that serves 10 or 24 or 40 guests. During the pandemic, they were buying a little cupcake or a mini bunt or something, you know, small that they would stick a candle in and the family would quietly sing happy birthday and not blow out the candle because we've learned from the pandemic that's not such a good idea. And I felt I owed it to them as well that I could bring them some sweetness. Okay. Describe what the Momix is because I mean, it's kind of going off the charts here. People are really excited about it. Can you describe what Momix is or what it tastes like because this is an audio. <laughs> Give us a, I know. a taste of it. I know. So Mo Mix is a salty, sweet, crunchy snack. We call it an after-school snack for grown-ups. It's made with cereal squares and pretzels and salted caramel. And then it comes in three flavors, one with almond coconut, pecan chai, and chocolate hazelnut. And it is highly, highly addictive. I mean, we say on the back of the bag, buy a bag for yourself, buy a bag for your family and put one in the drawer that they don't know about. (laughs) That's brilliant marketing. Absolutely love it. Okay. Now you've started shipping direct to customers as well, correct? I have. Okay. Talk to us about that. I mean, that's, that's a new space. I mean, to be developing that as well. Talk to us about that. We currently bake out of an 8,000 square foot facility. There are no kitchens in any of our stores. The original business model was like, oh, this will just be a hobby. And my dear husband said, yeah, that's, that's going to last a long time in that he knew me too well. And so originally we had a 400 square foot storefront with a 400 square foot kitchen in the back. It ultimately, we got the space way in the back, which had been a, an, an accessory apartment. So we had 1200 square feet total from front door to back door. And during that time, we opened two new stores. And so we were doing all of this out of no space. We moved into a 7,200 square foot commercial kitchen, commissary that we built. Like it was just a shell. And it was like, I felt, oh my God, this is such a waste of money. We're never going to fill this space. Well, now we are busting at the seams. And that's with, we, we actually did a small addition of 800 square feet to go up with us a small area for just an additional bit of room, but we don't even have, we don't even have room. We barely have room for stamps, but the goal is we're taking on another four to 5,000 square feet next door. And that's when we will truly begin to ship. But Momix was a great opportunity to not only develop this fantastic product, but test the waters on shipping. Mm, Wow. Yes. So we ship from our commissary and you could find it at momixmagic.com. And, you know, one of, I think the secrets to my success is I've done everything incrementally Mm, yeah, and I let it go organically. I didn't open with a thousand square foot kitchen. I took a tiny little storefront with a little bit of room in the back 
that had an oven that was one step above a toaster. Amazing. I think that's good advice for entrepreneurs is, you know, don't spend your last nickel. Right, right. Right? Figure out a way, like, for example, in food service, you know, don't necessarily be as crazy as me and even rent a a store in a tiny little town where rents are quite reasonable. But, you know, you can even experiment, see if you like, just because you like to bake doesn't mean you want to bake on a grand scale. Test out at a farmer's market. Yes, yes. You know, we have strategy and and that's what I... I love that advice. I mean, incremental and organic. I believe in that too. I think that organic, if it's meant to be, it's going to happen, right? We need to be intuitive. We need to be listening. And it sounds like, I mean, you were growing. So you're like, okay, next steps. We're going to take on this approach, but doing it in a way that actually serves your clients at a very high level, keeping your little family staff very satisfied and not in too much of a crunch with high level growth. And so, yeah, that strategic approach is everything. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Love it. You want to make sure, as you said, I think you used the word feedback, that as you build your business, this was very important to me. I had a core group of tasters, everyone from the wonderful Jenny Rosenzweig, who lives up the street, who's a, she has a, a blog called Dinner a Love Story. She has a number of best-selling cookbooks. She writes for Bon Appetit magazine, but she was a taster and so was my next door neighbor. <laughs> I would say to them, be brutal. Yes, yes. Tell me, because if you humor me on this quixotic quest, you'll be doing me a huge disservice in the end. Yeah, no, and, and I love that. And kudos to you for being brave enough to say, hey, it's that important. And we want to make a really solid product that people are going to love. So yeah, kudos to you. And I love how you've gotten involved even just with your close-knit circle, your circle of influence. And to this day, every store has a stack of my business cards with my cell phone number and my email address. And if a customer asks to contact me, they hand the business card. And it's so rewarding, the lovely, lovely emails I get from people who are just thrilled with our products. But I also get, you know, I had a bad experience at the store or I don't really like this. I didn't really like this product. And those kinds of messages are even more important and more valuable. And you cannot get your back up and say, no, the blueberry bunt cake is perfect. (laughs) You're absolutely right. (laughs) What you have to do is say, wait a minute, team, let's get together. How do we make this better? Yeah. Let's look at the feedback. Let's examine the recipe. Let's see how it's baking. Let's look at the, you know, and it turns out that the blueberry bundt cake is a great example that it started as a loaf cake. I thought, you know what? It'll look nicer in the display case. It'll be more interesting if we do it as a bundt. And we've decided, you know what? We're going to go back to doing it as a loaf cake, but we're going to make the loaf cake better. We're going to add more blueberries. We're going to tweak the recipe. We're going to play with the spices. Because you should always be revisiting what you do. 100%. Right? So you should listen intently to feedback, take it, and run with yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you've given your customers a voice, Helene. I mean, I think right there, everybody wants to have a voice. Whether, like you said, good, bad, or otherwise, that's really where it's going to make a difference. This is why you are so successful. You're listening. You're not defending because anybody who defends it, that's not getting us anywhere. You're saying, let's tweak it. What can we do to change this product? Right. And we'll do that on our own. Yeah. With every new, we have a, a large number of seasonal items. And when the new season rolls around, we 
bake off from last year's recipe, have a meeting, try it and see, can we do anything to make it better? So with this episode coming out here, are you starting the pumpkin spice? <laughs> we are, we are, we are. I mean, this episode we're recording in July, but you know, it'll come out August, September. So yeah, it's a thing. We, we actually, for that, we follow the Starbucks calendar. <laughs> Brilliant. I literally will Google every year, when is the pumpkin spice latte going to be on the Starbucks menu? And whatever date they pick, that's when we do our best to launch our pumpkin products as Pauline, well. this is why you're such a brilliant entrepreneur is because you are taking the signals. Anybody who's listening to this episode, you're listening to the signals that you are putting out there and you're taking note of it. And I think anything, you have this awareness about how you've built this business and how you're serving, who you're serving and why you're serving. And I think that's very, very poignant. Okay, so we're kind of coming into the close. What motivates you, Helene, to wake up every day as this entrepreneur who's pivoted into this new space? I mean, what motivates you? What motivates me is I never know what's going to be waiting for me at the office. Mm -hmm. And that just keeps things really interesting because there's always something new to explore. I feel like I'm always growing and learning. And I tell the story that when I was in fifth grade, I did what every fifth grader does during Christmas break. Harry Truman died. Former President Harry Truman died when I was in fifth grade. So I decided, I know I'm going to write a book report about Harry Truman. Wow. That was never assigned. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Red flag high achiever. And I walked in to school on like when Christmas break ended it like January 2nd. And again, I'm in fifth grade and I'm like, here, I wrote a book report about Harry Truman. Right. And it's because I look forward to challenges and adventures and exploring new things. Yeah. And I that is the core of the entrepreneurial spirit. It absolutely is. Yes, it is one of the key ingredients with no pun intended. Okay, any celebrity fans that uh, have made mention of your products? Martha Stewart has mentioned us and Amy Schumer. And we're actually doing a cake for Lucy Liu. And I think she it's her assistant, so it might be. But that's my understanding. <laughs> and... Taya Leone and her husband, whose name is escaping me at the moment, from Madam Secretary, were frequent customers on our Upper West Side store. But for me, it doesn't matter who you right. are. I just want, I want, I just need to exceed your expectations. Yeah, yeah, no, when we're listening, this is a top 10 global podcast. So, you know, people are listening to that and excited to stop into your location. So we're closing out here. Where can we find, like, where are those store locations, Helene, that we can tap into? Or where's the website if we want to get some of the Momex? Give us some digits. So our website is btwbakery.com. And on the website, just click on locations and you'll get the address to all four stores. Excellent. Helene, this is... And you'll also see a picture of the Momex with a link to how to buy it online. Okay. And then you can ship that direct. We can. Excellent. Well, this has been a delight. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your insight, and your knowledge about being just a world-class entrepreneur, Helene. This has just been an absolute delight. Well, thank you again. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. As your Chief Inspirational Officer, I coach passionate entrepreneurs like you to achieve complete confidence and clarity to reach your one-year goal in 90 days. Learn how you can get more done in less time with my number one proven formula for consistency and clarity. Simply go to go.marlohiggins.com to download. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo.